on Saturday night's main event. You big boss man and the Slickster are going to have your day in court, man. You dudes have been passing sentence on everybody around the WWF with your own brand of justice. But now, I'm the new WWF champion, and inside this steel cage, I'm the judge, the jury, and the executioner, brother. I'm going to throw the book at you, man. The training, the prayers, and the vitamins are going up against the handcuffs and the nightstick. And once I find you guilty, boss man, in the steel cage, what are you going to look like when thousands of my Hulkamaniacs tell the largest arms in the world to push your fat head through the cage, boss man? There will be no mercy. There will be no pardons. I will sentence you to the maximum sentence. A lifetime in attorney if the doom of Hulkamania. What are you going to do, boss man, when Judge Hogan passes the final sentence on you? Hey now, welcome to the 24-inch podcast, episode number four. This is Steve Bennett coming to you from Buffalo, New York. It is the year 2021, and with me tonight, way out there in Sopranos Town, USA, Kearney, New Jersey, my friend, my co-host, Hollywood Dave Rollins. What's up, Dave? How you doing tonight? Yo, 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 I'm doing good. Happy New Year to you, Steve. It's uh, it's been a little crazy one so far. Everybody thought 2020, oh, boom, that's it. Everything's gonna go back to normal. But uh, it's been interesting for sure so far, more wild than ever. And I'm happy to be away from the psycho news media and here talking to you about the greatest decade of all time, the 1980s, specifically 1989. How about that? You know, something I love to do, Dave, is when things get too crazy in the world, in the real world, on the news, I love to just sort of simulate returning myself to a time like this, 1989. You know, Return I, to sender. Yeah, I, I just sort of downgrade my life back to the 80s. You know, I'll cut my technology down. I'll put on an episode of the A-Team or I'll watch a movie from the 80s or I'll go on YouTube and watch a football game from the 80s or the 90s or something. I like to just kind of decompress that way. Uh, it yes, kind of helps, helps me deal with uh, deal with reality sometimes. Just take a step back to a music a also time. Helps. Yeah, music. Yeah, of course. That's yeah, a big yeah. helper. So even nothing to do with the media or anything, just like an old song you haven't heard in a long time will bring you back to that time in your life. And uh, I guess that's what the wrestling does here uh, with us. I, I may – some people may uh, – argue about this if it's true or not but i may have never left the 80s mentally but <laughs> <laughs> but uh well you know i wouldn't be doing a podcast here if that was the case but there are, i'm not exactly that much of a john lawrence but i'm i'm on the spectrum of one and i'm proud of that <laughs> well we are recording on monday and uh yesterday sunday 
the Saints, the New Orleans Saints, played a playoff game, and we are the Saints. Those are tough days for me, Dave. You know, I, I I'm sort of embarrassed sometimes as a as a 40 year old male, but I, you know, I want to be honest. And the reality is, is that the Saints are a big part of my identity. You know, a big part of my life. People who know me, yes, sir. Congratulations on congratulations on the big win. Yeah, it was a big win, and and people who know me, you know, one of the people who maybe only know me a little. Almost everyone knows, you know, I'm a Saints fan, and uh, those playoff games, they're tough. the The Saints, the Saints won their division for the fourth year in a row uh, this year, and each of the years up to this point, the Saints have been eliminated on the last play of the game. So. Three wow. years, three years ago, they lost on something called the Minnesota Miracle, uh, a, mm. a walk-off touchdown pass to Stefan Diggs. Then I thought the Minnesota Miracle was Vern Gagne had run six thousand fans in nineteen eighty-seven. <laughs> that would have been a miracle. That <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. yeah, that would have been a miracle. I don't think he could get six thousand in uh, nineteen eighty-seven though. No. Uh, yeah. Then the next year they lost in overtime in the uh, NFC Championship game on a field goal. And then last year they lost in overtime as well. So th- these games they take a lot out of me physically, mentally. I almost don't like the way they make me feel. You know, the way my heart beats, the way my you, stomach is unsettled. The, the edge of your seat is yeah, sometimes it's, not comfortable. No, it's not. You know what I mean? Like it, it's not healthy sometimes. I, it's I, like you don't want to see a win, but you almost wish you could just watch a good game of two teams you don't give a shit about. I was envious you know? of my brothers. My brothers, they're they're great supporters of my team. Uh, they love the Saints. They love to watch the Saints with me. But, of course, they're Bills fans. And the Bills played the very first game of the weekend. And they won their game. So by 4 o'clock on Saturday, my brothers could just kind of sit back, relax, and enjoy the next five. Fo- There's five more football games that weekend. And it was a great, I think, spot to be in. Whereas I, I spent all day Saturday worrying about Sunday. And then had all day till 4.40 uh, on Sunday to worry about the game. And then they played the game, went to almost 8 o'clock. So it was rough. What about you, Dave? Do you? Wa- I know you're not a big sports guy. I know you're not a big uh, football no. guy in general. Did you watch any NFL playoffs over the weekend? I did not, but that's unusual. Usually I do uh, watch the playoff games when, when there's not – you know, COVID around and shit, I would be out at the bars. But this uh, week was an exception why I didn't watch it because uh, I worked at the pizzeria. It's just a sister pizzeria of ours uh, called me and uh, one of the guys uh, went out to Florida for a vacation. So I'm working the next two Sundays over there. It's kind of like the territories, you know, I'm like Andre and they're sending sure. me over to a, to a different pizzeria for a little while. Was, but, there, uh, yeah, I, was there a I'm lot sorry? of custom orders? <laughs> yeah, like the Sopranos. Yeah. No, but that pizzeria is actually right down not technically right down the street from me but a five minute drive that's in harrison but uh yeah it's, it's my um it's not my shoot job uh my right you know my regular job sure not that but uh, here and there I've, i don't have a, a, a set night but uh you know i work at pizzerias as a replacement guy once in a while and it's fun it's a good way to make some extra money just cruise around catch up on my podcasts in the car yeah. A little bit of sportscasters. Yeah. While I'm on that subject, what's yeah. going on with the sportscasters? So today, as we record, is the uh, the 10 year anniversary of the sportscasters. I put out the first episode on January 11th, 2011. It was the day after uh, the BCS championship game between Auburn and Oregon, and it was won by Auburn and Cam Newton. And it, it, I I mentioned that because the next day. 
when I recorded the first interview was with a guy named Jeff Passan, who was covering baseball at the time for Yahoo Sports. But he had a book out called Death to the BCS. Um, and it was a book kind of advocating for the uh, for the BCS system of declaring a national championship to be ab- absolved and for a playoff to be to be ad- ad- adopted by college football. And I reached out. I had read the book over Christmas. I got it as a Christmas gift. And I had read it and I thought, you know, I got all these questions about it. I wonder if that could be a podcast, if I could read books and then interview the authors. I wonder if that could be an idea for a podcast. And without having a show, I sent an email I Googled who the publisher was. I found out how you contacted them. And I sent an email and said, you know, I have a podcast, which was a lie. And uh, I wanted to interview. There was three authors of that book, Jeff Passan, uh, Dan Wetzel, and a guy named Josh Peters. They were co-authors. And I said, I'd like to interview one or all of them about this book. And within 48 hours, I had an interview scheduled for a podcast that didn't exist. Uh, So I, I I quickly put it together, recorded it, and posted it 10 years ago today. And since then, I've done almost 400 episodes, and uh, you know, not one year has gone by without me posting at least 20. Uh, you know, some years more, and uh, you know, I created it for a large. The the main reason I created it was because at the time, uh, I I was losing my career to Crohn's disease. I had uh, graduated from college in in 2005 after struggling through the last couple of years because of my health, and uh, I became a a teacher in the Buffalo public school system. And I was nearing the point where I knew I was going to need to take some time off. And I said, well, you know, if I'm going to be home for a while, I need something to kind of occupy myself. And I was interested in, in media and sports media and podcasting was just sort of on the rise. And, you know, I created the sportscasters as a way to, to kind of keep myself active and, and to keep myself busy during that, that uncertain time of my health. And although my health is been sort of up and down, improved, you know, not improved at a, you know, a bad 2013, a bad 2019, good years in between, you know, having a, had a good 2020 health wise. Uh, but the sportscasters has always been there. And, uh, you know, this week, later in the week, uh, if you're listening to this in just a few days, uh, the, uh, the 10 year anniversary special will be, will be posted on the sportscasters feed. So hopefully you can check that out. Uh, if you're interested in hearing more about uh, 10 years of the sportscasters, but I'm proud of it, Dave. You know, well, congratulations to you, sir. You got an awesome passion for it, and uh, that's how we became friends. I was listening to your to your podcast. Yeah, you know what I mean. But I have a, I have a question. That, sure. You know, 2011, yeah. when you started this, when you know the idea came to mind, like you just said, podcasts. I don't even. I, yeah, I guess I knew what a podcast was in 2011, but I certainly hadn't listened to one yet. Yeah. Insert John John Lawrence joke right there, but um. How did you like, like, oh my God, okay, you sent the email, but now what do I do? Do you do how to, how to do it through your phone or through whatever laptop? Well, like, what was your next step? So I knew a guy who had bought all this equipment to do a podcast and uh, it kind of fell through, uh, but he sort he still had the equipment set up. So I said, hey, I want to record this show. Could I come over and do it in your podcast room? Because I had been a guest on that podcast. It was called Garbage Radio. Okay, it makes sense. And uh, I'd been a guest on this podcast, Garbage Radio, probably the summer before. So maybe like the summer of 2010, I was a guest on this podcast. So I, I reached out to him and I said, hey, I, you know, I have this idea. I'm going to do my own show. Do you think I could come in and record there? And, you know, he said, you know, sure. 
So I was able to kind of learn from him a little bit what he had known. And then eventually I ended up buying all that equipment from him and uh, moving his stuff into my house and, and creating my studio here. Uh, so that's kind of what I did. And, you know, you say that you hadn't listened to it. Maybe you'd heard of it. Quick story here for my 20th episode. I had a guy named Peter King. I'm sure you've heard of Peter King. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, you know, an NFL writer, uh, new, you know, uh, worked in uh, the New York City market for a while. And uh, I, I wrote to him and I said, would you be on this this 20th episode? And he said, I will, but I don't know what you're asking me. I don't know what a podcast is. You know, so I ran into that a lot back then yeah you know, 2011 yeah i mean i gotta think where i was uh then you know i had the same job and everything but yeah i think i still have even i don't even think i had a smartphone yet i think 2012 is when i got a smartphone so yeah maybe i didn't even know what one was back then you know at the beginning the issue was wasn't competition it was do people know how to listen to them you know it was like you know something i don't need to cut you off i still get that yeah. Now with yeah. with twenty four inch podcasts, like people, oh Dave, you're doing a podcast, and people that aren't stuck in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, whatever, like people that are, they don't have no idea how to, and right. especially with with uh, on Apple, how we're under the sp- sportscasters things, right? And on Spotify, it's, some people just they, they just like, oh my god, like yeah. So imagine what that was like ten years ago. Yes, yeah, sir. Right, and then now I think that the the the, the now there's a million podcasts, so the. The issue has changed. So now the competition is just the the pure volume of shows. You know, where back then the, the trick was, do they know what this is and will they be able to listen to it? You know what I mean? And, and like you said, yeah, that still exists. Not to the level, though, that it, that it no, did okay. 10 years ago. Uh, all right. With that said, all that said, we got a great show for you today. So today uh, we are going to concentrate on the Hulk Hogan's match with the big boss man. On Saturday night's main event in May of 1989. Now, our first show, uh, of course, we did the WrestleMania 2 King Kong Bundy match, which was 1986. And then our second show, we covered the Kamala feud, which was December of 86. Uh, but then ultimately, we covered the match in January of 87. Uh, then our third episode was the Iron Sheik. We went back to 1984 for the launch of Hulkamania. Uh, and today it's the big boss man in 1989. So four episodes uh, in four different calendar years. Uh, and of course, the Kamala episode was kind of an overlap between uh, 86, 86 87, and 87. Right. But the actual match we focused on was 87. So four shows, four years. And that kind of was the vision when we started this. We said we wanted to to tell the story of Hulk Hogan from, you know, 84 to 93 not just be locked into that era, but that was going to be our focus. But also we wanted to make sure we weren't bound by any chronological order. You know, by design, we're kind of bouncing around. Uh, And today is exciting because it's our first chance uh, to look at Saturday night's main event, which for me was everything. And I'll explain why later. But Saturday night's main event was a huge, huge part of being a fan of wrestling for me in the 80s. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely, man. Same here. Same for any WWF fan in the 80s. You know, you got to love it. There's no nobody that's going to say, oh, you know, eh. You know, no, not for Saturday Night's main event. Right. So, that's, the, that's the top of the tier. So this is what we're going to do today. In a minute, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the big boss, man. You know, who is this guy? We'll work on his bio. Uh, that's something. Going to take a trip down to Cobb County, Georgia. Yeah, Cobb County, Georgia. Is that really where he's from? We'll talk about that. 
Uh, also, we're going to talk about the history of wrestling on network TV. Uh, Saturday Night's main event was on NBC. Uh, and it did huge numbers on NBC in the Saturday Night Live time slot. Uh, so we'll talk about how did they end up there. We'll talk about guys like Dick Ebersol. Uh, and Dave has some really information about the DuPont Network and wrestling being on network TV in the 50s. Yeah, some interesting stuff for sure. Yeah, we'll talk about May of 89, what was going on in wrestling at the time. Who were the champions? You know, uh what were they building towards, you know, a few months out of SummerSlam, a few months after WrestleMania. And uh, then we'll take another break. We'll read the news. We'll, we'll be reading the news from May of 1989 today. Uh, and then we're going to break down the card, 52789. We'll break down the entire Saturday Night's Main Event card. And then, of course, we'll rate, we'll break down the Hulk Hogan boss man card match. And then uh, Dave and I will give our rankings, one to five, using quarters relative to all Hulk Hogan matches. Uh, and then, of course, we'll figure we'll finish things out with some plugs, some emails, and we'll let you know what we're going to do on Episode 5. How does that plan sound to you, David? Sounds fucking great, man. Let's do it. All right, we'll take a break. We'll be right back uh, talking about the big boss man. Thank you for listening to the 24-Inch Podcast. Don't forget to check out Steve's other podcast, The Sportscasters. It's at soundcloud.com slash sports casters. You can also follow Steve on Twitter at sports underscore casters. Follow Hollywood Dave Rollins on Twitter at H-D-R-O-W-L-A-N-D-S. Don't forget about greetings from Allentown with Peter Winson. It's one hour of wrestling TV from the last 40 years. Also on that feed, greetings from Allentown Live starring... Uh, the great Keithy, and also the Adams Division podcast, starring Steve and Peter Winson. We are back on the 24-inch podcast. This is Steve Bennett and Dave Rollins, Buffalo, hey, yo. New Jersey Connection. The Big Boss Man is the topic of the podcast today. He was born on May 2nd. Uh, 1963, just a few months before the Kennedy assassination, Ray Washington Trailer Jr., uh, he was uh, born in Marietta, Georgia, uh, not that far from Cobb County, where the song, uh, his, his, uh, his kayfabe uh, birthplace, Marietta, Georgia, not too far from. Uh, Better read the signs when you go out there, yeah. or you're in trouble. Yeah, he was... Um, Initially uh, debuted as a wrestler in the uh, in the Crockett territory, and uh, he was actually a corrections officer in Cobb County, Georgia. Uh, that was his job as a shoot. You know, he worked uh, he worked in the corrections field in Cobb County, and he was discovered and debuted in 1985. Uh, initially, he worked a little bit in Continental Championship Wrestling. Uh, but really, he was a, a green, a green dude breaking in in a huge in a huge territory. Uh, he was known as Big Bubba, Big Bubba Rogers. Do you remember watching uh, Bubba when he was uh, 
in the uh, in the NWA and Crockett. Do you remember him at all in those days? I I do not. I do. I remember him with Jim Cornette when he was his bodyguard. I didn't watch. Yeah. I watched a little more. Obviously, I'm huge WWF mark, but sure. I watched um, a little more AWA because of the ESPN after school it was on. NWA wasn't. Um, it was on you know six or five Saturday nights. We were just we had superstars on at that time here in New York, so I was watching that. But uh, you failed to mention Steve Bussman was actually a jobber first. Oh no, and, I didn't uh, fail to mention it. I just oh, haven't mentioned it yet. You haven't mentioned it. <laughs> yeah. And he took um, a bump from uh, Tully Blanchard, a big, uh, I think it was like a snap suplex or something like that. And Dusty discovered him. I guess you're going to get to that. And uh, they repackaged him, the whole deal, into Big Bubba. I, I remember his look, and but more so I remember him from the Aftermags more than anything, seeing him in this time. Yeah, I, I didn't. I would spend the weekends at my dad's, and I would watch the 605 show sometimes. Uh, just, be, you know, if there was nothing else to do, if I was laying around the house. You know, there wasn't a lot of channels back then. There's only so many games in Nintendo you could play, and I loved wrestling. Uh, so I like to watch it. You know, I, the, the studio wrestling concept, I guess, was interesting to me, and I like to listen to the Four Horsemen. But I only watched it infrequently. You know, I never got a pay-per-view or anything like that, so... The details of what I was watching back then, not much sticks out. You know, I remember Sting. You know, I remember the Four Horsemen. I remember Tony Schiavone. But I don't remember. And I remember um, Jim Cornette, of course, and the tennis racket. All that sticks out, you know, as I I try to look back onto what I remember. But I didn't remember uh, him. But like you said, yeah, he began working as a jobber under his real name. And uh, he had matches against the Barbarian and Koloff and the Midnight Express. And like you said, it was Dusty Rhodes who uh, pulled him from uh, TV for three months uh, so that he could repackage him. And uh, he, he made him as Big Bubba Rogers. And he debuted on the May 31st edition of Worldwide. And he was a silent bodyguard uh, for Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, he, he was badass. You know, when I, when I watch this stuff back now. You know, considering how green he was and how new to the business he was, you know, I thought he really did a really good, uh, a really good job. And he was part of some famous moments. I mean, if you look back at the scaffolding match, you know, where Cornette blows up both of his legs, you know, <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah, he, he's he's right in the middle of all that, you know. So he was in some really big moments, uh, really early in his career. You know, he was a, a really unstoppable heel, and he tells that great story, Dave. You want to tell it? Uh, the great story about around this time where he he does a great job not selling a pretty incredible injury. Is that uh, Bubba? Yeah. Uh, you might have to refresh my memory oh, okay. on that, Okay, I brother. thought maybe, yeah. it, maybe it was someone else I was talking about. But yeah. So around this time, uh, Cornette, you know, he's, and, and Bubba, they're all traveling together, you know. And um, they're getting out, of the, getting out of the car in a crowd, and he gets his, his hand slammed in the door. Wow. You know, and you know what it's like to get your hand slammed yeah, in the door. Sure. Right? Yeah, sure. Oh, my God. And he totally no-sold it. Right? Oof. Doesn't flinch. Stays. Because, you know, the character he was playing was this really quiet, silent, kind of stoic. Kind of like what, uh, for uh, more modern fans, what Ming became. Sure. Remember Ming was the yeah. Colonel Parker's bodyguard? That was, that was a takeoff of the Bubba character. Yeah. Sure. So, so he's he's out there in this crowd of all these people around. When they're getting into the hotel, gets his gets his hand slammed in the door, 
no sells it. So they get into the room, and Cornette's like, "Wow, like, did you not? Did I? Did I see that wrong? Did you not?" And he looks over, and his his thumb is like twenty oh. times, you know, bigger and throbbing and blue. It's like oh, you know, I'm feeling that right now. Yeah, yeah. And I never, I never heard that story before. Thanks for telling me. Yeah, wow. he totally no sold it, and Cornette just couldn't believe it. You know that he was able <laughs> to able to not break character like that and I, I, I didn't mean to put you on the spot I, I thought we had talked about it but no it wasn't yeah. definitely wasn't me yeah so that's wild yeah really incredible and he did get in the ring too a little bit uh in this run you know he wrestled ron garvin in a louisville street fight at starcade 86 uh 87 um the uwf was purchased by jim crockett and uh he worked a little bit there and on april 19th he challenged and won the UWF Heavyweight Championship from the One Man Gang. Future partner. Yeah, oh. he, he was leaving the uh, UWF to go to WWF, and uh, he did the favors for 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 Ray. And uh, like you said, eventually they would be uh, the Twin Towers. It's uh, amazing how young uh, the boss man was at, at this time, too. Yeah, you figure crazy young. You figure he was, if he's born in 63, that's 73, 83, and then you put four years on that, and you got 24. 24 years old and green. You know, with wrestling around this time, wrestlers would wrestle for years, you know, before they would get a break even close to this. Yeah, this is is pretty quick. Quick turnaround here. Unbelievably quick, but he does... His run with Crockett, and then he works a little bit in all Japan pro wrestling uh, in 1988. And then he gets the call to New York, as they say. Uh, June of uh, 1988, he joins the WWF as the Big Boss Man, which was a character, of course, inspired by his previous career as a corrections officer. You know, there's a story that often when you meet with Vince, when you sit down in his office or if you get summons to his house, he'll say, what do you like? You know, what do you do? Like, it's a joke on Pritchard, uh, his podcast. You know, there wasn't a box of gimmicks. These gimmicks came out of these early discussions, you know, and Vince had found out that he worked in corrections, and that was kind of the genesis of the character. He's initially given Slick uh, as his manager. Great pairing. Yep, and uh, he would beat a jobber, and then he'd handcuff that jobber to uh, to the ring ropes, and he'd beat the shit out of him with a nightstick or a ball and chain. Uh, sure. A great and terrifying, to me as an eight-year-old, a terrifying heel. Uh, and he fought in the first SummerSlam. Uh, he fought Coco Beware uh, and and beat the crap out of him uh, before he began his first angle, uh, his first major angle. And that was, of course, attacking Hulk Hogan on the Brother Love Show. But that's not the, the feud that we're covering today. Right, we're we're skipping ahead to uh, to his time with Hogan in '89, and uh, and because their feud basically was over by right. this, by our by our our match tonight, it's right? Kind of a one off, right? And we'll talk about that in a second too about how Saturday Night's main event could kind of be in its own universe a little bit, but we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, so again, like we talked about how this guy, young guy, early push, even in the WWF, he's there for a minute. And boom, he's on top with Hulk, right? It's really incredible when you think about uh, the progression and the growth in his career and how much how much he accomplished in such a, a short period of time. I mean, 
he is him and his partner, the one man gang, they're right in the middle of the mega powers exploding. You know, they're a big part of that when you look at the main event too, uh, where Hogan and Elizabeth and Savage do the angle where Elizabeth gets hurt and all that craziness. That the boss man's in the ring for that. You know, that's one of the biggest moments in WWF history. And there Absolutely. he is. Absolutely. Yeah. There he is. And you figure in nineteen you know, in eighty nine, he hasn't even been in the business for for five years yet. You know, so just a really incredible growth, uh really impressive. Uh, and at WrestleMania five, uh, the Twin Towers they 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 face the Rockers. Good match, yeah. yeah. A great, a really great, I think. You know, big guy, little guy match in a tag version, uh, with some just punishing spots. Akeem and takes take. I mean, I didn't dislike Shawn Michaels oh, back then, took his like head I off. do now, but I still like to rewind that a lot. That part there. Oh man, some losing just, more than a smile, brother. Yeah, just some vicious spots, but yeah. Uh, yeah, and that kind of leads us up to May 27th uh, and Saturday Night's Main Event, Episode 21. Uh, it's a WWF Championship match against Hulk Hogan in the steel cage. But before we get to that, and we will, let's talk a little bit about Saturday Night's Main Event and uh, the history of wrestling on network TV. Before we do that, though, Dave, do you have anything else you want to mention about Boss Man and kind of his rise you know, it's pretty incredible when you think about it, you know. 89 here, May of 89, he's not even in the business five years, you know, and and here he is. Yeah, well, Hulkster at this time was looking for a lot of uh, a lot of guys uh, to come into the WWF in 88, new guys, fresh guys to work with, even though even though he wasn't the champion. That, that's how Bad News Brown came in. Uh, he came in a few months before this. Hulk saw him on TV when Hulk was home in Florida, in the Florida and got on the phone to get to get Alan, you know, Alan Coach over. And I believe it was uh, he also even wanted Joe LaDuke because you'd see Joe, Josh LaDuke and uh, no, he has a spot and no holds barred. But uh, that didn't that didn't work out. He only did a couple of tapings, a bunch of guys. But I think the boss man was handpicked in this kind of group of guys, new guys to come in and uh, work with Hulkster. And that, and that was the one they settled on. I mean, he did Hulk did do some stuff with bad news and stuff. But uh, that was really the new fresh heel that they settled on was Boss Man. At that time, when I was young, I kind of thought they were going to turn Bam Bam to work with Hulk eventually, okay. right around this time. But it seems like right when Bam Bam left is when Boss Man came in. So it's kind of like a replacement almost. Maybe they, this is only me guessing. Sure. You know, I never heard anything about this. But if you think about it, it kind of the cards were kind of laid out for that, for a Bam Bam, uh, Bam Bam turn to take out the Hulkster. But uh, he was gone, and we got Boss Man, and wow, what a run it was. So Saturday Night's main event debuted on May 11th, 1985 in the late night time slot normally assigned to Saturday Night Live. So if you've ever watched Saturday Night Live, it goes from 11.30 to 1 a.m. on the East Coast. And, uh, you know, like any other network TV show, it's off, right? It has an off season. And uh, the executive producer of the time was Dick Ebersol. And he had watched and helped Vince McMahon uh, work on the two specials that aired on MTV in 84 and 85. Uh, they were the war to settle the score and the, uh, what was the other one called? Uh, the first one was the brawl to end it the all. brawl to end it all. One. Right. The second one's world to settle the score. Right. So Abersaw had a hand in that and uh, worked with, worked with uh, McMahon on those. And those did really well. Those 
those drew really well in terms of ratings. And they come up with the idea to have Saturday night's main event take the Saturday Night Live time slot a few times a year and uh, to have some, you know, original content instead of just another week of reruns. Amazing. Uh, yeah, and it aired sort of infrequently at first, but they did settle into a, sort of a general uh, predictable pattern of air dates. So it would be New Year's weekend, uh, then the February-March sweeps time, April to May, then they do one in September, October. They call that like the season premiere. Season premiere. Yep, and then they would do Thanksgiving weekend usually. Uh, and then, of course, they would start to do these Friday night versions called the main event. Yeah. Yeah. And of, what a spinoff. Yeah, and of course that will be an enormous, uh, enormous night when we when we talk about those. Of course. Um. Look at this was a success. Uh, great ratings. March fourteenth, nineteen eighty seven. Uh, that show, which is the last one before uh, WrestleMania three. The which, big battle royal. Yeah. Which is won by Hercules. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and poor Leaping Lanny Poffo gets about 75 yeah. stitches. Uh, that drew an 11.6 rating, which to this day remains the highest rating any show has ever done in that time slot. So, whatever the highest rated episode of Saturday Night Live is, it didn't draw as good as the March of 87. Saturday no way, Night's brother. Now, this is really significant, too. Because when this show aired for the first time in 1985, it was the first time that wrestling had been on network television uh, since the the DuPont network in the 1950s. Dave, you want to talk a little bit about kind of the history of that? And I know you prepared some notes and some information on kind of the business's first run on network TV. Sure. It was uh, the DuPont network. Oh, yeah. What did uh, I say? DuPont? Close enough. DuPont, but, Dumont. Uh, yeah, you got it. Yeah. The Dumont network. We, we weren't around then. You know right. what I mean? This is all. Whatever the, the fuck stuff they I'm call gonna it. Say right, yeah. I'm gonna, some of the stuff I'm going to say right now, you know, it could be off a little bit. But uh, it's, it's pretty straightforward information. But the Dumont network, a lot of people listening might be saying, hey, dude, that's not a, a, a ABC, NBC, Fox. I don't know because it was back then, but it's it, 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 was, it only lasted 10 years. But it was one of the major networks, the Dumont network. It actually kind of sort of morphed into the Fox network in the 80s. A lot of the affiliates that were part of Dumont turned into the Fox network in the 80s when Fox debuted. But anyway, Dumont was around from the late 40s to the late 50s. And uh, the late 40s, wrestling from Marigold, for promoter Fred Kohler in Chicago actually had a couple specials on ABC. Not Dumont, but Dumont saw the success in those specials and decided to pick up uh, wrestling uh, from Marigold as a weekly show. So there you have it. Wrestling it was from Chicago. And uh, it was the NWA. Fred Kohler had it on. Then in 1956, just about around the time, about a year left of the Dumont Network, Capital Wrestling, Vince McMahon Sr. came on uh, the Dumont Network as well. My dad told me that it was Thursday nights at 9 o'clock and then also Wednesday nights. He doesn't remember which one was Capital, which one was Chicago. But uh, there was a time where they're on Wednesday and Thursday night in the 50s. Then uh, the WW, when uh, Dumont Network folded, uh, the WWF or Capital, a.k.a. Capital Wrestling, went into syndication from around 1956 to 67, which here in New York was a WR, WOR Channel 9. And this is pretty interesting. Then 
in 67, wrestling kind of dipped. You know how it goes through its ups and downs. Like the mid-90s sure. was, was a downfall. Right now, now it was kind yeah. of a downfall. Absolutely. <laughs> while, while, while we're doing a podcast while Monday Night Raw's on, you know there's a problem, you know? <laughs> yeah. But um, uh, it was on UHF here, Channel 47, for Bruno's First Reign, WNJU. It's a Spanish channel now. Uh, I believe it was a Spanish channel even then. But, uh, that you know, the wrestling show was, was in English. And uh, my dad had to tune into UHF to watch uh, Bruno uh, in the late 60s. Then finally, in 1972, I could stop here, uh, d- went back to uh, WOR, picked it back up when that's when Championship Wrestling debuted, which became Superstars and, and all that. But what the network, Dumont, that was it in the late 50s when Dumont, canceled, when Dumont folded. We didn't see it again until Mother's Day weekend, 1985, Saturday night's main event. Well, Dumont, Dupont, whatever the hell you want to call the network, Dumont. it's a part Dumont. of it's a part of wrestling history, and so is Saturday's main event, and it's a big part of my wrestling history. You know, I mentioned how I would spend the weekends at my dad's, uh, and my dad was cool about bedtime and shit like that. You know, I would stay up late a lot with him uh, during this time, and Saturday's main event was huge for me because I didn't really know when it was on. You know. Um, this obviously you couldn't just put the info button on your remote and get this guide to come up on the TV. You know, there was TV guide and I would use that if I had my hands on one, but my dad didn't get that at his house, you know, and a lot of Saturdays I had no idea if it was on or not. And I remember this one particular time uh, I had watched Saturday night's main event with my dad the week before. And when they signed off, you know, Vince says, I'll see you next time or whatever. And I had taken it to mean he would see us next week. Mm. Um, so I thought it was going to be on. I waited all day. And then, you know, the news signs off. And then there's the church lady or something in the, <laughs> in the cold open of Saturday Night's uh, Live. Live from New York. Yeah. That's what it was. That was when it was good. <laughs> yeah. I was crushed, you know, that it wasn't on. But that's the thing about this show. There was like a little bit of mystery because, you know, I'm a six or seven year old kid, eight year old kid. You know, I'm not the best at keeping track of the listings and the TV. I didn't know when this thing was on all the time. Yeah. You know you know what they did? Uh, the WWF, for some reason, they couldn't promote on Saturday Night Main Event. Eventually, they did. Right. Maybe the late, very late 80s, early 90s. But, you know, from 85 to 88, they wouldn't be able to say, you know, in three weeks at WrestleMania or two weeks at SummerSlam. Even and then on, that's on Saturday Night's Main Event. They couldn't mention their pay-per-views. But then, even on WWF syndicated program, Steve, you might remember this, when they're saying, all right, next week on Supersize of Wrestling, the Junkyard Dog, Don Morocco, uh, the Conquistadors, whatever, they would say, oh, and by the way, this weekend, that's all they would say, it's going to be, you know, Hulk Hogan against Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. So let's have comments from both. All they would say is this weekend. So if you didn't know to put on channel um, NBC at night, you had no idea what the hell they were talking about. Right. And but for some reason, they couldn't co-promote and because of this, Saturday Night's main event sort of existed in its own world, you know, to some degree. It followed the storylines. So basically, there's a good way to look at it. If you knew wrestling, if you were following it, okay, you would watch it. Yeah, it's following the storylines, absolutely. But if you didn't watch the syndicated shows or the house shows, you could still just watch these right. by themselves, and it would be okay. Right. They, they, they worked that out. They could stand alone if they had to. Yes. And if they were a companion for you, it worked that way too. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, you know, like that, that 
that one we were talking about, the big the big rated one in March of eighty seven. You're two weeks out from WrestleMania three, and that the words WrestleMania three are never uttered. Amazing. You know, but obviously all night they're building towards WrestleMania three. So many of the angles uh for WrestleMania three were built or furthered on Sarah's main event. Harley Race and the Junkyard Dog. Uh this country never had no king. This country never had no queen. That was on Saturday night's main event. You know, at least she's in the arms of someone who cares for her. Awesome. You know, Steamboat Savage, that's a Saturday night's main event. You know, we talked about the Battle Royal, Hogan and Andre in the ring for the first time together. Saturday night's main event. The uh the the full Nelson and and um uh Billy Jerk and Hercules <laughs> at the end of the Battle Royal, right? Uh Piper's Pit the um the uh getting the 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 the, the perfume in the eye Saturday night's yeah. main event. So so many of of the important moments in in WrestleMania 3 uh were either furthered or born on Saturday night's main event without ever uttering WrestleMania 3. And you know what as a big fan who was watching everything back then I didn't like notice it back then. Now I notice it, you know, as an adult. But like, you might not even if you're watching week to week, you're not even realizing. Today they're just not having a WrestleMania report. But like, wow, they're really not mentioning it. That's it's pretty it's pretty wild. But when the news would sign off, the eleven o'clock news would sign off, and there'd be a local ad or two or whatever, and then the beginning sequence with the music and the promos, that was like the birth of my first hard ons. You know what I mean? Like I would be. <laughs> So excited when that would come on. Actually, you know, that could be true when Elizabeth the Halloween special. Oh my that could god! Be true for oh me. my god! Yeah. Uh, but my dad and I, like, we were together. You know, like my dad, I had, I had his attention. You know, and and my dad and I were together, and we were watching this, and you know, I would battle too because I would be fading. You know, especially at five, six, seven years old. You know, by twelve thirty or whatever, I'd be fading. We would record them. And I think just about every time that next morning, I'd be seeing half of the show for the first time because uh, I would fade out. Um, and, Steve, that's why that some people that are watching these now not didn't watch them in real time. Like, oh, why is Hogan on first or second? Right. Why is Macho Man on? Because they knew people were fighting sleep. And just like Saturday Night Live, the best skits are always the early ones. Right. You know, the thing before the, the monologues. Yep. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, so that's what was like done backwards, which is awesome, I think. So even if you're fighting sleep, you know, you can see the Hulkster, then maybe fall asleep, you know, with Ken Batera against one man gang, something like that. But, but uh, uh, yeah, very cool. Uh, Hulk defended the title a lot on Saturday Night's main event, and this is the first time we're covering it, but certainly not the last. We'll probably do 15, 20 shows uh, that will be Saturday Night's main event. But let's take a break because I'm excited to do it. Uh, when we come back, we're going to read the news, uh, and then we're going to get into it. 52789, Hulk versus Boss Man, and a steel cage, and everything else uh, from that yep. card as well. We will be right back.
24 Inch Podcast. We are back. Episode number four. The big boss man, Steve Bennett, Hollywood Dave Rollins here. Talking Saturday night's main event for May 27th of 1989. But before we do that, Dave, it's time to read the news. Let's do it. May 1st, 1989, the 135-acre Disney's MGM Studio theme park officially opens to the public in Lake Buena Vista, Florida. I don't know why they don't just say Orlando. Yeah, strange. Uh, Dave, have you ever been to Disney? I have. I've never. I've been to Disneyland in California, but I've been to the Disney World only like the bars and stuff. I like. I didn't go. I was a little okay, older. Like I didn't downtown go Disney. Downtown Disney. Yeah, sure. yes, yeah, sir. And this kind of relates to a, a wrestling podcast. This news there because the the move from WCW to MGM was a big you yeah. know selling point of getting Hulkster over there, yep. which then led to the NWO and whatnot. So that's a nice piece of news for our podcast. Yeah, they eventually. Recorded there for sure. Lots of episodes of their their TV there worldwide. Yeah, but uh, I have been to Disney. I was there in 1994. No, 98, four, five. In high school. How about that? I went there while I was in high school. Works. And then I went there again. I went to Brave Spring Training, which was Ooh, cool. Uh, and then we went to the parks for a few days. That was um. Like, uh, the first time Brett Favre retired, because he retired while I was there, whatever year that was. And then uh, I also just went, last year we took Paula for the first time, and she she loved it, obviously. I mean, I think it's a little weird, these, like, adults that love it as much as Paula does. You know, I'm not that, like, there's people who, there's Disney, the subculture of Disney is Do you think it's like how, how adults, like, love Star Wars? Even adults like eighties, you know, eighties wrestling. It's kind of like going back into their childhood. Sure, maybe oh, some of that Mickey Mouse. Okay, yeah. kind of makes sense. And I think it's a lot of people who didn't have the opportunities as a child to experience it, and they're kind of re- yeah. reclaiming that piece of their childhood. But um, I also did go to Disneyland on my honeymoon, uh, cool. which you know I didn't enjoy all that much. But it was a part. You know, we we took a two week honeymoon and um that was just a couple days of it so heard you didn't leave the hotel oh there was plenty of time for that and when you got a two, <laughs> you know when you got a two-week honeymoon plus i mean we had been together for what 14 years yeah, yeah. playing around yeah um but no that was a very important part i think i going into the honeymoon i demanded it once a day <laughs> just once come on well you gotta have minimums then you go that's from there true. you get your minimum then you go that's from married there. life yep Uh, Also on May 1st, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court rules that employees will have legal burden to prove non-discriminatory reasons for not hiring or promoting. Sounds intense. May 2nd. Yeah, I don't want to go there, especially at this time. May 2nd, Killing Time, the debut album by Clint Black is released. Uh, It it goes on to be the Billboard Album of the Year in 1990. Dave, do you listen to country music? I do not. No, I like country music concerts because i like women okay but um <laughs> but that, that's as far as it goes we got a bar right down the street from my house that um it's a honky tonk it's only been there for about two years uh it's a shout out to my friend Brittany who run which is a friend of mine now who owns it but um yeah it's a little on the pricey side but uh it's a good time and it's a lot of that country that vibe and stuff they got a lot of open mic nights and cool stuff like that so but 
they also do like Motley Crue cover bands and Van Halen cover bands and cool stuff like that. So it's a little bit of for a little bit of stuff for everybody. But uh, the country stuff, eh, you know, I'm, I'm never gonna play it in my car. Let's, play, let's go that far. Unless it's "Don't Go Messing with a Country Boy." <laughs> I don't know a thing about it. Uh, May fifth, Mike Tyson gets a second speeding ticket for drag racing in New York's capital, Albany. Hmm. I'm sure well, that wouldn't be that. That wouldn't be <laughs> that wouldn't be his last uh, run-in with the law. Good old liar, Mike. Gonna say if that would have been the the most of his his worries with the police, he would have taken that. Yeah, I'm a fan of Mike. I'm, I'm I stick up for him. I'm a fan too. Yeah, the 115th Kentucky Derby Sunday Silence wins in two minutes and five seconds. I do enjoy the Triple Crown. Um, I don't know anything about horse racing. Uh, but I do enjoy those three Saturdays a year watching those races. And I love when, you know, someone wins the first two and you get to Belmont and there's a chance at the Triple Crown. I, I, I dig that. I don't know if you watch. What's what's the one in uh, in early May? The, the Derby, the uh, Kentucky Derby. Right, right. That's what I just said. The 115th yeah. Yeah. Kentucky Derby. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, that one, yeah. My, I got a friend that's, uh, we go to a bar and that they're all into it. And we go, you know. Almost every year, you know, since we've been old enough to drink, what you know, give or take a year or two here and there. But uh, <laughs> you know, everything. Sometimes you know, we get a little wild in there. We get the jukebox going, but then like the race comes on, everybody gets all serious and stuff. And I don't know. Sometimes uh, some people aren't that into it, and there's a little animosity there. But uh, yeah, it's hey, what type of person I am. Even if I'm not into something, if there's a reason to go out and have a good time behind it, I'm all for it. Yeah, and that's that's a good one. Uh, May seventh. The Panamanian voters reject Manuel Noriega's bid for presidency. Okay. Not a big surprise that a dictator, uh, when given the yeah. opportunity to have an election, wouldn't win. Um, but, yeah, you know, Panama. Yeah. What are you going to do? Panama, right? Panama. <laughs> uh, Paul McCartney releases a remake of Ferry Cross the Mercy in aid Ooh. of those affected by the Hillsborough disaster, which claimed the lives of 96 Liverpool football fans, which it's okay. a really tragic event at a, yeah, a soccer Paul. game in England. Nice um, of Sir Paul to do. I can't yes. say I know the song. No, but, you know, Sir Paul, I'm sure it was great. Yeah. Uh, May 9th, a journalist petitioned Chinese government for freedom of the press. Spoiler alert, uh, that didn't work out. Yeah, very timely. <laughs> good old, Too timely. Uh, good old China. Uh-huh. Yeah, China. May 9th, <laughs> uh, Matt's Rick Cerrone airs after 159 airless games as catcher. You remember Rick Cerrone uh, as a uh, player in the 80s. Uh, that doesn't ring a bell off the top of my head. Uh, also on May 9th, Vice President Quayle uh, says in the United... Yeah, he says in the United Negro College Fund speech, quote, what a waste it is to lose one's mind instead of a mind is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> uh, May 10th, a sad day for me. Uh, Barcelona of Spain win the 29th European Cup against Italy, 1-0 uh, to zero in Bern. I'm not a soccer guy, but I'm a huge fan uh, of Italian soccer. Uh, there you go. The town I live in, you know, we call it Soprano Town, USA. Yeah. We got that really soccer, soccer town, USA. USA. Yeah. yeah, so I kind of I mean, being not a big sports guy, you know, I play football in high school, stuff like that. But, you know, it's hard for me to get away from it. Do I remember that back then? No. But, I mean, some of the, 
bigger football, soccer games now. Like I say, I like to go out and have a good time that I'm you know, accustomed to watching some soccer matches or whatever you want to call it. And now here's a shocker. On May 10th, uh, Manuel Noriega's Panama government nullifies the election, uh, which the opposition had won 3-1. to one. So... <laughs> Hey, I'm trying to get away from this stuff. Yeah, dictators, <laughs> dictators in elections. They don't go well. Dick Potato, yep. Uh, the Campbell Conference Final. The Calgary Flames beat the Chicago Blackhawks 4-1. to They're going to go on uh, to the Stanley Cup Final where they will play. Uh, well, I'm sure we'll find out who they play in a minute. So one of our listeners, Tim, uh, was telling me how he loved, uh, I never knew it, he loved Wayne Gretzky, and we brought him up on our last show. And uh, so I went on to tell him that my, Wayne Gretzky is my third favorite hockey player after Gene Okerlund's son and Chris Jericho's dad. <laughs> he enjoyed that. Yeah, Gene Okerlund's son, a member of the uh, 1984 Olympic team, played college hockey at the University of Minnesota. It's Todd Okerlund, right? Todd, yep. Uh, May 11th, the 217th and final episode of Dynasty is aired. I remember Dynasty. Wasn't a watcher of it, but I certainly remember... Yeah. Dynasty and Dallas, you know, being huge shows. Yeah, I mean, we're 80s, we're 80s kids. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not 80s, you know, right. adults, whatever. Yeah. I don't think anybody our age was was watching, um, you know, it, it, those were like almost like nighttime soap operas. Shit our parents kind of, watch. Sort of. Yeah, shit yeah. our parents watch. I think maybe now if I tried to go back and watch it, I may like Dallas, but I never got a chance to go back and watch it. I may someday. It sounds kind of cool. Right, but all the other ones are kind of not landing. This one, that they all kind of just pile up together, and uh, me is all like the same shit. But uh, again, we're too young for that. Well, maybe an inevitable piece of business here on May 11th, U.S. President George H.W. Bush orders 2,000 troops to Panama, where obviously they're having a crisis. Uh, May 11th, the Prince of Wales Conference Final, the Montreal Canadiens beat the Philadelphia Flyers four games to two. Uh, to set up the 1989 version of the Stanley Cup, which will be all Canada, uh, as used the to love Flames. Used to love Canadians. being the uh, oh, who was the NHL hockey for Sega Genesis. I used to love being the uh, I don't know, is it the Flames or the Flyers? Well, well, who gives a shit? One of those. I love NHL hockey on Sega. Though. Yeah, it's a great game. Yeah, uh, May 12th, Entertainment Tonight makes its 2,000th TV performance. This makes me wonder. How many must they be up to now? Yeah, oh my God. 2000, 1989. Right. Mary Hart, huh? One of the greatest uh, WrestleMania yeah, God bless celebrities Mary Hart. as well. Yeah. Yeah. 2000, God, it's got to be, I don't even want to think about it. Right. Another <laughs> one. Heck another one from the 12th. Uh, the last graffiti-covered New York City subway car was retire- retired. We talked a little bit about uh, the New York City transit last now, time. Is that because Giuliani came in and cleaned everything up? Is that no, what that not, means? No, not Giuliani yet. But what does that mean? The last it I means they that. no longer use those kind of cars anymore. The, the last oh, they, they took the last one covered in graffiti off the tracks. But I mean, no, nobody's going to come back and graffiti up another one. I mean, I'm sure it's happened, but yeah, yeah. they're cleaning May, it up. Okay, on May 12th, it was a, into it. it was a big moment that they had gotten the last one off of there. Then the NWO showed up, sure. and that was it. And that was all down to hell then. And Banksy, <laughs> and Banksy showed up. Uh, <laughs> May thirteenth, two thousand students begin a hunger strike in Tiananmen Square, China. Uh, certainly a huge world event there. 
Well, Chris Cornell and Eddie Vedder in attendance. <laughs> yeah. Yep, they were there. They were going hungry. Uh, May 14th, the final TV episode of Family Ties airs on NBC with 36 million viewers. This was one I was anxiously awaiting that night. What a show. My sister was a bigger fan than me. She loved Michael J. Fox, so it was always out in our house. But I definitely was a fan and a fan. And... um. I was visiting a friend of mine who was in rehab. He's doing well now, a couple of years ago. And I could have swore this woman that was giving me the eye, an older brunette, brunette I could have swore she was uh, Mallory. And I went and told everybody, but now it's kind of been debunked that it was not her. But I thought it Mal- Mallory was following me around in New Jersey rehab at one time. <laughs> well, it's, <laughs> it's always kind of blown my mind that while filming Back to the Future, Michael J. Fox would work all day long because he had his his commitment to family tie. And that's why he was originally not cast as, as Marty and those. Movies. Yeah, it was, yeah. um, it was, what's his face, uh, from, um, the heck is his name. There's, they actually have the footage of, of yeah, the he, other actor playing. I, he's, he's a known actor. I'm just having, I just can't think of his name off the top of my head right now, but, um, uh, well, 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 whatever. Yeah. You look that up while I'm going on because I can't think of his name either. What? How do you think Alex P. Keaton would do would fare uh, today in this world? He'd be having a little trouble, I think, right now. I think he would be for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got. Uh, Moonlighting uh, airs its last episode on ABC. Same shit. Yep. Uh, kind of launched the career of um, of what's his name, Bruce, right, Willis. Uh, can't say that I watched it, my friend. Um, it was the uh, same thing as we said with Dallas. Right, just kind of that a, kind of show. My mom was a big Moonlighting fan for sure. Yeah, I believe mine as well. She'd always send me out like, oh, bedtime. I got to get you to bed so Moonlighting can be on. You know, I don't, can't I can't deal with your jibber jabber in the middle of. Uh, <laughs> and the- we got a very strong name as the first Back to the Future, uh, Marty. Eric Stoltz. That's right. Eric is Stoltz. that who it is? Yeah. All right, let's keep going here. Event of interest, May 17th. Nelson Mandela receives a BA from the University of South Africa. Congratulations on him, you know, getting his college done. Uh, there May, you go. May 19th, the Dow Jones average passes the 2,500 mark for the first time, and it closes at 2,501.1, so a great day for stocks. Hmm. Uh, May 18th, Sue Allen, his last appearance on Dallas. Linda Gray played her. And she's off the show. When I think of Sue Ellen, I think of uh, Christina Applegate. Don't tell mom the babysitter's dead. One of my most hated movies. May really? Ni- May 19th. No, not not, not that oh. one. The one in the next story. <laughs> May 19th, Do the Right Thing, uh, directed by oh, Spike geez. Lee. <laughs> premieres at the Keynes uh, Film Festival. Uh, May 14th, the, pre- <laughs> the Preakness, Sunday Silence wins... So that means Pat and Sunday Silence are going to Belmont. Uh, there you for go. A chance at the Triple Crown. That's when it's the best. No Sunday Silence when the Saints are on for Steve Bennett, though. Oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. Uh, let's see. May 20th. Toonsis the Cat takes the wheel on Saturday Night's uh, Saturday Night Live. Uh, Phil Hartman, of course, uh, did that. The great Phil Hartman. Yep. Uh, Walter McConnell, 57 years old, is the oldest to reach Mount Everest's top. I bet that's been topped at this point. Hmm. Um, what else do we got here? We're running towards the bottom here. May 23rd, 
A Lincoln Square in the Bronx is named. I don't know what it was before that. Just square? I don't know. <laughs> here, what the fuck? Here is Square. It's now Lincoln oh. Square. Finally has a name. Oh. Uh, the 42nd Annual Keynes Film Festival, Sex, Lies, and Videotape, uh, oh. wins a big award. I remember wanting to see this movie because of the title you know i thought yeah, absolutely you know i remember seeing the video store the, the box right and it just was so salacious yeah absolutely you know? uh this was a big one and i went to the theater to watch it with my dad on may 24th indiana jones and the last crusade great movie yeah great movie premieres and that summer in 89 you know we had a lot of blockbusters for sure that was the batman summer and yes. Ghostbusters too yeah big one mm-hmm. no holes barred i've been to, i went <laughs> yep and i went to all those yeah, oh yeah, heck yeah. This is when I was getting on, you know, probably the same with you, getting on my run. Every big movie I saw in the theater, and you can start saying around the late 80s when it started, for sure. All right, a couple more, and uh, we will we will close it off. May 25th, uh, the Seattle Mariners trade Mark Langston to Montreal for Randy Johnson. Good trade there. Uh, I got a trivia question for you, Dave. You ready? Let's do it. All right. The big unit, Randy Johnson, had his number retired by the Arizona Diamondbacks. As a gift, as a gift, the Diamondbacks gave him whose drum set? Well, while I'm thinking about that, I wish I want that to be my nickname, the big unit. The big unit, don't we all? I'll give yeah, don't we all? Give give up Hollywood for that, especially with what Hollywood's doing lately. Not the Hulkster, the other real Hollywood. But uh, okay, what what was the question? I'm sorry. Okay, so. Randy Johnson, the pitcher, the big unit here, the big unit. Uh, he went on to play. Oh, what drummer? A drummer. Yeah, who, whose whose drum kit did they give him as a gift? Oof, you know this is something I should know. Yes, and it was it was it was an active drummer in the late eighties. Uh yes, he was. Now, of course, it was years later that he got the gift. Obviously, uh, no, the answer is Neil Peart. I was gonna fucking. I, mean, I swear to God, I was gonna yeah. say that next. I they, swear to God, I wouldn't bullshit you. I, they, that was gonna be my next question. They gave him because I know you like him. One of the five drum kits that were produced for the R thirty tour, um, and he's got it in his house. It's pretty awesome. Um, okay, May twenty. What's your favorite uh, uh, Rush song? Uh, Entry House from Permanent Waves, uh, Subdivisions, Closer to the Heart. Um, I am the necromancer. Obsessed. Lately, I've become obsessed with "Roll the Bones." Okay, I love different. "Roll the Bones." Yeah, I, I love, love that song. I like it's that. My gym song. I've listened to that a lot lately. I like that album. Uh, May twenty fifth, Stanley Cup final, the Montreal Forum. Uh, the Calgary Flames beat the Montreal Canadiens four to two, and they win the Stanley Cup. It is their first, and still to this day, only uh, Stanley Cup title that the Flames won. Now. This is the second to last time a Canadian team uh, wins the Stanley Cup. So in 1993, uh, the Canadians win it. But that's since then, no Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup all the way back to 83. But, of course, in 89, the Flames uh, from Calgary win their one and only only title. May 26th, Conspiracy Theories loves this. Uh, the United States performs a nuclear test at a Nevada test site. Uh, Mike Schmidt, 12-time All-Star, third baseman, retires from Major League Baseball. Him. He cries and is one of the great all-time uh, bits on Stern Show is them listening to um, Mike Schmidt crying. 
You might have to send me that. Yeah. If you have it in the archives. Yeah, like I that. do have it. May 30th. He was on the Mets, right? Uh, Phillies. Phillies, okay. Uh, May 30th, Margaret Ray pleads guilty to breaking into David Letterman's home. Um, Wild. Yep, his stalker. Uh, let's do, okay, one more. Who the hell would stalk him? Right? May 31st. May 31st, the first ever International Rock Awards uh, and the first presentation of the Rock and Roll Elvis Awards. So lots of awards uh, to give out uh, then as well. The King just celebrated a birthday. Yep. So that'll do it. That's that's the news for May of 1989. I love it. All right. Uh, With that said, let's move on to Saturday night's main event. Uh, it airs on NBC, of course, on May 27th, uh, 1989. Dave, uh, that was in the can for quite a while. It's stale. It was actually re- very, very moldy. Yeah, and it was um, uh, recorded much earlier in April. You have a theory as to why you think it was held off for so long. You want to share that? Yeah, it was recorded on uh, April 25th in Des Moines, Iowa. Now, normally, like you said before, you gave the rundown of uh, the pattern of Saturday night's main event where they'd fall. And you mentioned that late April, early May was the one that they would do after WrestleMania every year. So this being taped on a Monday on the Superstars tape in April 25th, it was probably supposed to air that Saturday or maybe the Saturday after that. But we didn't get it till Memorial Day weekend, May 27th. I was down the shore watching that because anybody from Jersey has got to be down the shore. Jersey Shore on Memorial Day weekend, and I was down there watching it, and the reasoning, I think, that they chose to push it back a couple of weeks is because that Friday, June 2nd, was the world premiere of the major motion picture, No Holds Barred, and that's what this uh, Saturday Night event pretty much centered around promoting that, so Saturday Night Live probably at that time probably never had a lot and it probably was always a rerun on those holiday weekends anyway so they probably gave the WWF the option of doing it on their normal week or pushing it back to that week and so we got a moldy Saturday night's main event but hey we didn't know at the time now one of the great things about Saturday night's main event and I mentioned it earlier is that they kick off with these incredible uh, promos in front of a green screen with all these cool graphics looked really great for the time but tonight there's only one it's a good one uh, promo from Hogan, but that's all. Yeah, my music didn't play either. Everybody loves the Animotion music, and yep. then later on the music it turned into. But there'd be music when the guys were cutting their promos, right? Like a scary little, like almost sounded like the Exorcist song in the background. But I finally found it. It's from some bicycle movie from 1985. Uh, I have it downloaded now, but it's only a, it's a little piece. You got to put it on a loop to keep it going. I guess was what what they did. But that it was like it was kind of like scary almost while these guys are talking you had that that little noise going on in the background just wanted to throw that in there now the show starts with uh them showing some video of rick rude winning the intercontinental title at wrestlemania 5 which of course is the first time uh, that a member of the heenan family uh has a title <laughs> an ongoing bit with gorilla yes up until this point <laughs> no champions brain right. <laughs> but finally uh he breaks it and he gets his yes, uh, he gets his first champion and they show the highlights of that. The first match is going to be, of course, Rick Rude defending the Intercontinental Title for the first time on television against King Duggan, uh, oh. who had recently become the king 
by defeating King Haku. If I have my yeah. king king lineage correct. That is correct. And yeah. He had so many gimmicks then. He had the board, the crown, the cape. Bobby Heenan told uh, Vince McMahon, oh, uh, Vince, why don't you get Duggan an eagle to come out there? Vince like, hmm. And Duggan's like, oh, no, man, please, Bobby, you're killing me. Because Vince was actually thinking about it. All this shit you got to lug around. Yep. <laughs> so Duggan, I think Duggan was happy when uh, Macho King took the crown from him a few months later. Sure. Uh, but Duggan defeats Rude, the champion, with Bobby, of course, by count out at 715. Uh, so, of course, Rude is still the champion. And Jesse, uh, make sure to mention that. You know, that's maybe a rule that you don't have to mention in your syndicated program, but to the wider, maybe more casual uh, Saturday Night's Main Event audience, Jesse, make sure to mention. Yeah, and you, you got to remember, there's always going to be somebody new watching. Yeah, mention No matter what. Belt doesn't change hands. One thing I wanted to mention, too, because we've talked about the promos a little bit, is if you go back to this era, uh, very rarely were promos scripted. Uh, but anytime you talk to a wrestler, you hear a wrestler talk about a shoot, uh, talking about a shoot interview, and, and he talks about Serence's main event, they will mention that NBC and Ebersol, uh, they worked very hard on the promos with the wrestlers. That's why there's more kind of puns and kind of double entendres and things like that. Worked a lot into of puns. The, yeah, worked into the promos. Uh, that that's the that's one of the early times that uh, the wrestlers aren't ad libbing that they're very uh, much scripted. I liked how they would kind of introduce themselves too. I'm Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, and this is you know blah 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 blah. It was kind of like welcoming in the new. If you didn't know, you know they're going to tell you what they're all about. Those were those the, the beginning promos were usually like an introduction to what was going on, and uh, perfect, just just absolute perfection. Uh, mean Gene's in the back, uh, and he's got the anvil with him. Uh, who yeah, is, baby. Yeah, who's not with Brett, right? It's one of these times that uh, those guys are maybe going to try to go on their own a little bit. Uh, and the Anvil does a great job here. It's a promo I really like. He hates awesome, Savage. Bro. I just watched it, yeah. Yeah, hates Savage, hates how he treated Liz. Thought he was a terrible champion. Uh, just pushing all the, all the buttons and, of course, rags on Scary Sherry. Uh, then we go to Jesse. Because Jesse's always got to interview Randy, right? Jesse's a Randy guy, and he's with Savage and Sherry. And th the bottom line for them is this. They want to get the belt back that they lost at WrestleMania five. Well, that Macho Man lost. And the only way he's going to be able to do that is to go through Hulk, right? And um, to get Go through to, the anvil. Right, and to get to Hulk, he's got to go through the anvil. Uh, so he's going to wrestle this match tonight. Uh, Sherry, man, she looks good. She's really just a oh yeah a beautiful uh, a beautiful girl. So uh, she she knows her place. Very voluptuous. Yep, and she's gonna be uh, the anti Elizabeth, right? That's her role. Come in and be everything uh, that Elizabeth isn't, and uh, that brings us to the match. It's not a long one. It goes about five minutes or so, uh, and Savage does get the win over the Anvil. But I thought. Personally, I don't know what you thought, Dave, but I thought the Anvil did a really good job in this spot. You know, really did a great job. It felt like a really big win for Macho to get, and it. I thought he did a really good job getting Macho one step closer uh, to a rematch with Hulk. You know, it felt yeah, yeah, it felt really, really legitimate, um, and a really good job there. Now, of course, now this is go ahead. 
This is Macho's second singles match with a member of the Hart Foundation at Saturday Night's Men event. Remember, he took on Brett in November 87. Awesome I, match. I do. One of my all-time favorite Saturday Night's yeah. Men events. So now he's got the anvil. And it's funny. I remember to this day, I used to make on a, you know, on a sheet of notebook paper cards from my LJN figures and then have the matches. And I had the anvil randomly against Macho Man like a few days before this. Then, like you said, we didn't really know what was coming up on Saturday Night's Main event. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what a random, like, I just did this match, and here it is happening now. Just something I never forgot. A regular George. But, uh, yeah, it was good. Regular George Scott there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, next up is Hulk and the Boss Man. But, of course, we're going to do what we always do, and we'll come back to the Hulk's match uh, and do that last. The fourth match is the Brain Busters. Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard uh, coming off a fantastic match uh, at WrestleMania 5. Uh, and they are going to wrestle the champions. Uh, You're a loser, Tito. Yes. Uh, yeah, they uh, that <laughs> loser, Tito, he screwed over Strike Force. Uh, Rick Martel had a walk-off. And the Brain Busters got the win at WrestleMania 5. And, and they are going to fight here. Uh, Demolition, Axe, and Smash, the champions. They're coming off. Uh, their title defense against Fuji and the Powers of Pain. Uh, 9-15, they gave him time, and I really, really enjoyed this match. Um, love watching the Brain Busters. Uh, the crowd is, is really hot for it. Demolition's super over, I thought, here. Really kind of maturing into their face run really well. Um, wow, I enjoyed this. But again, uh, the champion loses. Uh, but it's it's uh, it's it's not enough to change the title because it's a, a disqualification. So, what you I think remember that we're gonna have. I thought it was a great match. Demolition was at their peak right now, mid nineteen eighty nine. That's peak demolition. Uh, they are my road warriors. The demolition is just, just a phenomenal team. That's the team I grew up with. Bulldogs and Hearts as well. The three of them. Those three teams. I'm a WWF kid. Those are my three teams. Uh, the Brainbusters are great. Great heels. And remember that uh, what's happening in the July Saturday Night's Main Event, a big rematch with a very different outcome. Absolutely. Uh, Jesse's in the back with Savage and Sherry again, and they talk about Hogan, uh, who they say he can't tuck and hide anymore. Savage is the number one contender. Uh, he's going to take his belt back, and he says that Sherry is loyal and doesn't have wandering eyes. Uh, mm. And uh, Sherry's right there, of course, to, uh, to add some rhetoric as well. Uh, Snuka versus Zukov or Zukov uh, is next. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy had shown up sort of randomly as he just kind of walked out to the ring during WrestleMania five. Yeah, I got a great story with this. Sure. We, um, uh, WrestleMania five, you know, we had my my cousin was over, uh, you know, friends from school, whatever, like you know, seven, eight, nine, ten people living room watching WrestleMania five, and the pizzas came. I think you have a similar story about I something do. like that. Yeah, yeah. WrestleMania three. And we went inside, you know, had pizza because it was gonna it, coming up next was Bravo and Garvin. It was kind of like a ah, throwaway going for the pizza. So then, like, I'm rewatching the tape, like after school, like one day that week, and out comes Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Like, whoa, what the hell is this? Like, didn't we even know what happened. <laughs> no, no. And people, you know, he was really popular, especially yeah, like for in New York, people oh, that yeah. watched wrestling yeah. bef like before I got into it. Superfly, Superfly, Superfly. So that would have got a big pop. But we missed it. <laughs> that's wow. That's great. That's my story there. You missed something a little more important. I well, think, I right? didn't miss it. So, so here's my story. So at WrestleMania three, I had a party. My friends from school and stuff came over, and to me, the Steamboat Savage match was just as important as Hogan Andre. Uh, 
Um, and the pizza came right before the match. Well, there was no chance in hell I was going to miss it for pizza. But my friends had no problem uh, missing it. So basically the whole match, my friends are in the kitchen eating pizza. And I'm watching the match, kind of shouting out updates. And then Steve yeah. won the bout. And I remember running into the kitchen, telling my friends. And, uh, yeah, no, I was not, not about to miss that. Uh, uh, but basically... Snook is back. Um, Vince McMahon's happy. Uh, Boris, Boris Zukov tries to sing the the anthem. He's brutal. <laughs> do you, do, yeah. Do, do. Yeah. Snook, uh, you know, breaks it up, and it's a, it's a one minute squash. You know, it's a nothing. Old uh, AWA working buddies here. This is someone Snooker was used to working with. They were just working together when Snooker was in AWA. I believe a lot. Big old Boris. Yep, so the show ends then with a Gene is with Hulk. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and then Hogan and Jesse uh, kind of wrap it up. But uh, that is the, the undercard, so to speak, of Saturday Night's main event uh, from 5-27-89. Four matches, some good ones. I thought that the Anvil Nightheart was great, a really good piece of business as well. I thought Anvil did a great job. Um, a really good tag title match. You know, they gave him some time. Nine minutes is a lot for, you know, a non-main event on Saturday Night's main event. So I thought they did a really great job with that. And then there's the squash at the end, but, you know, whatever. Um, at least, you know, Snook is back. And like you said, that, that probably popped some people uh, that back, last back match, in the day. Yeah, that last Saturday's main event match was always usually, usually never for a somebody, somebody new coming yeah. in. Yeah, never would a classic. There, they would squash somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I would say this is probably top 10, even a little higher Saturday Night's Main Events for me. Just because I'm not going to give it any thought, I'm going to say top 10 instead of top 7 or 6. But, you know, out of how many classic ones were there, 30, 35? Yeah. So it's up, it's up there towards the top for me. I think for that's sure. fair. Quickly, I want to give a shout-out to uh, to Justin Rosero uh, and Scott from the Place to Be Nation. Justin was kind enough uh, to give me his notes uh, for when they covered – uh, this match, so it's going to give me a chance to kind of give a little play-by-play as we get to Hogan Boss Man. This is right from uh, Justin's notes, so I want to thank Justin for that. Make sure you check out the Place to Be Nation uh, flagship show on the Place to Be Nation Wrestling Podcast legends. Network. Podcast Legends. Yep, and don't forget to check out also Justin's uh, North-South Connection, where he has a bunch of different podcasts on that feed. All right, so here we are. Uh, it's time for Hulk, and uh, Jesse's in the back with Bossman and Slick, uh, who's arranged the big uh, national TV title shot. Uh, Bossman will put Hulk on ice, rehab him, and then lock him up to serve hard time. And uh, Slick says there's going to be a big surprise. Now, God, I love Slick. I, I think he's so underrated. I never get tired of him. Everything he says is funny. And he's, he's just awesome. He has a phd in style as well <laughs> gotta love it my friend uh an important thing to note this is the first title defense on television for the second hulk hogan title reign so if you don't count the msg house show with macho man no 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 i'm talking a regular, national real television national. television defense not of anything regional or how those are house shows you know what i mean true they're on TV in certain markets, but those are house shows. That that's not TV. 
Uh, this is the first one. So Hogan won the belt. Especially NBC. That's, right. Yeah. We covered Hulk winning the belt last week in 84, and he held that belt until 88 when he lost it on the main event one. And uh, then, of course, Macho Man won the belt on the tournament at WrestleMania 4 and held it for a year and then lost it to Hulk at WrestleMania 5, which was just about a month before this show. So this is the first title defense of the second uh, title reign. Uh, so here it is. It's the culmination of a, a red-hot feud that they had for a long time, which is going to be another episode of this podcast. We'll cover the other uh, Boss Man Hogan stuff that they did on the house shows. I'm sure we'll do an MSG uh, match or two for that. The full sh- the full thing, A to the Z. Yeah, but uh, Slick brings out his big surprise, and it's Zeus. Uh, Zeus plants himself in front of the cage door, and when Hogan comes out to a huge pop, uh, he walks up to Zeus, and Jesse says he wants a real-life confrontation and that this isn't a movie. So the backstory here, of course, is that No Holds Barred, Hulk Hogan's first movie, uh, the movie he was filming most of the time during um, Randy's title reign, and a big reason why they took the belt off of him uh, in 88, is ready to come out. And, uh, Dave, reason. Yeah, and Dave mentioned that uh, he thinks this, and probably correctly, thinks that this show is delayed to get closer to that release. So uh, this is a uh, definitely a huge promotion for the movie. Uh, but in the wrestling world, they're making sure you know this isn't a movie. Okay? Right? So it's, it's tricky, but if you follow it, Jesse wants you to know this isn't the movie stuff. Uh, this is the real thing. So in the world of the WWF, the movies are fake. Uh, but the it would w- really confuse WWF people. Real. People that say, you know, call wrestling fake, then you go, well, you don't like movies? Imagine they go watch this, so you're really confused. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Zeus kicks Hogan uh, and sludges down on his traps a few times and then walks out. Um, really an ass-kicking. And I remember watching and thinking, how the hell is Hulk going to wrestle the boss man now? And, oh, my God, he just won the belt back, and it's in jeopardy. Uh, you know, that's how I uh. felt. That's how I felt as an eight going on nine-year-old watching this live. I was nervous for Hulk. Um, and he literally crawls um, into the ring. And right away, he's getting choked out uh, by his T-shirt. Uh, Hulk hammers back, though. Uh, and before you get it, go sure. on with the match, Steve, I'm sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to throw in that there was a little trickery there with the Zeus attack on yes, there was. Hulkster at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, Hulk was coming down the aisle, filmed in Des Moines, Iowa on April 25th. Zeus went a little too light on him. It didn't look good for NBC. So the next night, they redid it. I guess they put the cage back up. I, I don't know if they had another cage match. I'd have to look that up. I'm sorry I don't know that the next night with the boss man or not. But they reshot that stare, Zeus on the stair, hitting Hogan the next night, April 26th, in Omaha, Nebraska, at a challenge taping. They spliced it in, I guess, with the help of Dick Ebersol and NBC, and you could hardly tell. But uh, pretty wild there. That's what they did. You can hardly tell, but once you know, you can kind of tell. Once you know, you know. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, Jesse says this is great for Hulk because he can cheat like crazy, uh, which is, you know, Classic Hulk, but the boss man recovers, takes Hulk down, and drops a big splash on him, and then heads for the door. But Hulk stops him. Remember, in this era, these cage matches, 
the only way to win is to either get is to get out of the cage over the top or through the door. That's how cage matches in the WWF. It's our first one, Dave. Our first cage match here. Uh, so yes, I should, should mention that. Uh, boss man works the champ some more and then climbs and gets halfway down. Uh, but Hogan runs over and catches him and pulls him back up to the top, settles <laughs> him in, and then hits the iconic superplex off the cage to a massive pop. And as Justin writes here, what a moment in spot. Both men are down and out for a bit, and Hulk recovers first. Dave, do you remember your reaction to Hulk superplex and boss man off of the I cage? I do. So do I. And the reaction happened two months before this because <laughs> it happened at Madison Square Garden Network. Now, uh, March 18th. Now, here's the thing. I did not see that. You didn't see that. I did not see that. So, you know, again, that's why I say that's not really TV. Um, yeah. For you, it's an extra piece of the canon, right? But for me, you know, sometimes we get MSG Network. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes yeah. my family has cable. Sometimes we don't. You know, sometimes I knew that when that was on. Sometimes I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, to me, just shock and awe. But still, but still, yeah. that he did it again, you know, yeah, yeah it was a good, good reaction. But I had more of a reaction. I was starting to get, like, a little ballsy at this time. I was getting a little older. And not, like, Kamal or Andre. I was, like, scared shit. Now I was like, oh, he's not going to lose the title of Boss Man. He just won it back. They've been Him and Boss Man had a million matches together already, etc. But when Boss Man got down to the apron there, going down the cage, I was like, holy shit, that's it, and... Hogan grabbed them. You know what? Like like you said. But yeah, that that popped me there. One thing I think is that the fact that you got to grow up watching this stuff with older wrestling fans, like Uncle Tito and your dad. Uncle Tito. uh, I think you knew more about that kind of a thing. I would have never thought about that or made that conclusion. They they said all that kind of stuff. I guess they were early versions of Sparks, but not really. That but wasn't yeah, in they, my... they would say there's no way of this, no way of that. Yeah, see that. And even my friend Anthony Pagano, his father, same thing. He's still around to this day too, and still like still enjoys wrestling too. He's a great. Yeah, so yeah, I had a lot of that. That wasn't in my world. Like I would watch with my dad, but he was only a fan because I was. He would only watch it because it was a chance to do something with me, you know. So he didn't say things like that. I remember right. one time before WrestleMania three, my uncle Paul said to me. You know Hulk Hogan's going to win, right? And I said, yeah, of course he's going to win. He's the Hulkster. Well, he thought he was spoiling it for me. And to me, I thought it was just Hulk Hogan bravado. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, um, that, there, but there's one. That Andre match, Uncle Tito and my dad had no answer. The Warrior match, they had no answer. There's some where you're just not, you know, sure. just, you can't pick it. That's yeah. what, and that's what makes them the best ones. Yeah, that's good booking. Um, okay, so Hogan's up first. Uh, and he's going to try to head out, but boss man recovers. Um, and he stops him. Hulk goes to the eyes, but boss man cuts him down with a clothesline. Uh, he then chokes away and gets hold of a chain. Uh, but Hulk blocks the right hand and both men end up spiking each other's heads into the cage. Boss man goes for the door, but Hulk stops him and unloads with a fury. Hulk grabs a chain and punches boss man with it twice as Jesse just berates Hogan for cheating. Uh, Hogan runs Bossman into the cage over and over and then drops the leg. He starts to climb, but Slick comes in and ties up his leg. Hogan kicks him off as Bossman starts to climb, but Hulk crotches him on the top and then cuffs him to the top rope. He climbs. And Love s- that. Yep. Love how he cut the, the whole idea of a cage match is to get away from your opponent in WWF. Love that he cuffed him. Yep, and uh, 
he climbs over the top and he gets uh, the win. Uh, a very fun and memorable match. Great heat. Um, Justin has his notes here. This is interesting, Dave, because we can see what you said. He says, not as good as MSG. Um, that's probably true. I haven't watched the MSG one recently. Uh, but MSG, you got more time. You know, it's not as compressed. And it's in MSG as opposed to and for me, right? And for me, I saw it first. Right, you've it already first. seen it. Sure. If the Saturday Night's Men event was first, even in Des Moines, you know, maybe I might like that one a little better. But I haven't watched the MSG one in a long time. I'm, maybe I'm going to watch that tonight. So to, to compare the two. And also, that same day as MSG, that night, they went to the Boston Garden and worked in the fence cage, not the blue cage. And I don't believe they did the spot in the Boston Garden. So they didn't go around doing it every town. Boston Garden's a huge town, so I don't know what the hell. Maybe maybe one of them didn't feel like doing it. The Hulkster was like, doesn't work for me, brother. Not right. twice in one day. Well, just for the Can't record, blame him. just for the record, Justin gave this three stars, but of course that's relative to all matches. Um, not just, you know, uh, this one. Okay, later, we skipped over it earlier, Gene talks to Hulk and congratulates him on his first national TV title defense. And Hogan talks about Zeus and tells him to forget Hollywood and come to the ring. Uh, they plug No Holds Barred and the show goes off the air. Wow. Um, look at, I'll rank it first. I remember obviously popping for the spot. Uh, I remember going crazy uh, when Hulk handcuffed him and got out. I was legitimately very worried from the moment of the Zeus uh, beatdown uh, and the thought that Hogan then had to get in a steel cage with someone as menacing as the boss man. Uh, I didn't know if Hulk could do it. Uh, I thought it was a great piece of business. Um, really well done. I really enjoy Saturday Night's Main Event in general. Uh, I can watch these cards anytime. Uh, Paula and I have a thing called doing snack. And uh, we'll get, I'll go check and see if she's up in her room, you know, 11, 12 o'clock. If I hear her in there, I'll say, hey, you want to do snack? And we'll have a bowl of cereal and we'll put a Saturday Night's Main event on. Just, I love that you guys, that you guys watch the old stuff together. Yeah, it's so rewatchable. Um, any of the episodes, they're short, uh, they're easy to consume. Uh, they feel big, and and that's the thing. This feel feels and felt really big. It really yeah. Did. Without the commercials, you can really you can really bang through them. Yeah, it's about an hour long, uh, but it yeah. just felt really big. Uh, the movie was coming. I was pumped. Hulk had just won the belt, and uh, I was really nervous that it wasn't going to be four years uh, like the last time because this just felt like a big big challenge, and like he always did, he rose to it. So I'm going to give it four and a quarter. Um. Really, really, really exciting. And again, I didn't have the, I didn't have in retrospect the misfortune maybe of having seen it already. Um, yeah. It was very much new to me. But I'll go four and a quarter, and that feels about right to me. Again, that's relative to Hogan matches um, only. What do you got, Dave? Okay. All right. Well, I mean, this spot, I mean, even though I was a little, you know, I seen it already in the garden, whatever, whatnot, once it aired here, People talked about this that weren't the biggest wrestling fans. Still to this day, people, hey, remember when uh, Hogan, who was that? Hogan suplexed off the cage. Oh, yeah, big boss man. You remember that? Yeah. People, this is one of those moments. It, it, it's in people our age, it's stuck in their head. It's enshrined, if that's the word. This is a big, big deal. 
this. I'm going to give it four stars. I would be four and a half if I didn't see it already. But for, for me, watching it, it's it's a solid four stars. Awesome moment. Uh, I mean, just perfect. The um, Hulks are coming on the second title reign. I mean, we don't have as many big title defenses in this reign. Not nowhere even close, you know, to the first reign. So this has got to be right up there for that second reign, right? Maybe the maybe his biggest match. Yeah. In that second reign, that's not a tag match or definitely you know the likes one. of that yeah, until he met the warrior. Yes, sir. Four stars. All right. So that brings us to the end of five twenty seven eighty nine. Sarah's main event. Hulk and Boss Man. Four and a quarter for me. Four for Dave. All right. We're gonna take a break now. When we come back. We have some plugs. We got a few listener emails. And also we have Mrs. Wonderful, Paula. Mrs. Wonderful. We'll join us in one second. We'll tell you what we're going to do next time and close it out. It's a 24-inch podcast. One more segment on the other side. We'll be right back. are back on the 24-inch podcast, Steve Bennett, Dave Rollins, and making her episode debut, Mrs. Wonderful, Paula Bennett. Hey, baby. Hi. Hi, Paula. Paula was at dance class tonight, so she couldn't be with us earlier, but she's here for the last segment of the 24-inch podcast. We got some business still to do, though, uh, so let's get started with this. Don't forget, I mentioned it earlier, the 10th anniversary of the sportscasters podcast will be out later this week you can find that wherever you find sportscasters podcast it's sportscasters on soundcloud soundcloud.com slash sports dash casters at sports underscore casters on twitter and you can email me the sportscasters at gmail.com or for more information about the sportscasters on twitter at sports underscore casters you can also uh, find our friends peter winson you can find him, greetings from Allentown, at GF Allentown Pod uh, on Twitter. He recently celebrated his 200th episode of that podcast with a cool episode about the 1987 uh, great, Slammy Awards. Great episode, Peter. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. I want to give another shout-out and thank you to Justin and Scott from the Place to Be Nation flagship show. They provided some of the notes uh, that I read on today's podcast. Thanks to Justin and Scott for that. Uh, make sure you check out the Place Thanks, to Be guys. Nation podcast uh, as well. Uh, quickly, I want to go over everything in terms of 24-inch podcast. Uh, simply, you can email us uh, at yep. 24. It's uh, 24-inch podcast, the number two, the number four, the word inch, the word podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at 24-inch podcast. Same thing. Paul, you're making so much noise. Not uh, – <laughs> at the number two, the number four, 
the word inch, the word podcast, 24 inch podcast. Paula, can you tell the listeners about Twitter? What do you know about Twitter? Uh, It's your podcast. Oh, okay. Apparently nothing. Uh, (laughs) She's canceled. (laughs) Twitter. Also, Dave, you said that some people, maybe they're confused. How do you find the 24-inch podcast? All you do is search the sportscasters on wherever you search for podcasts, and 24-inch podcast will be there. If you're an Apple and you search for 24-inch podcast, the sportscasters is the first thing that comes up. Uh, so click on that, and the episodes are in there with the uh, appropriate logo. On Easy course. peasy. You can find it on SoundCloud. You can find it on Stitcher. And if you follow us on social media, we make sure to spread the links all over the place. All right, a couple pieces of business yet to do. we got to do listener emails. We'll do that in a second. We're going to tell you what we're going to do next time. But before we do any of that, Dave, we kind of mentioned that the Hulk is on a run. It's his second title win. Before we move on from this era, I wonder, because we always check in with you on this, what's the Hulk doing in the house shows right around this time? Uh, why don't we do the end of May or so? Yeah, I'll give you, I'll give you the last week of May, piling into June a little bit. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Uh, May 27th, the night that Saturday Night's main event aired. Uh, obviously, it didn't air live, like we said. Uh, the Hulkster was in Calgary at the Calgary Saddle Dome. Uh, not playing Sega Genesis NHL hockey, but he was actually losing to the Macho Man Randy Savage by countout. Then uh, May 28th, Edmonton Coliseum in front of 14,000 fans. Macho Man over Hogan again with on a countout. May 29th, the Montreal Forum, 12,000 fans. Savage over Hogan on a countout. June 2nd, No Holds Barred premieres in theaters world, worldwide, I would imagine. I know you United States. Saturday night, June 3rd, Boston Garden, 12,000 in attendance. The final show to be aired on Nesson. That's the MSG Network of Boston. Uh, so that, 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 that's a big blow, losing uh, those Boston those Boston shows. They were all over primetime wrestling and all that kind of stuff. This was the last one, June 3rd. Savage over Hogan on a countout. You guessed it. June 4th, Portland, Maine, Cumberly County Civic Center. I took a road trip to see Motley Crue there one time. 8,500. Savage over Hogan on a countout. June 6th, a Tuesday, Hollywood Dave Rowland celebrates his ninth birthday. <laughs> and uh, all these countout victories, Savage over Hogan, I think if you compile, compiled all the Hogan-Savage matches ever, I think Savage might have the winning record over Hogan because they did a lot of these countouts in 86 as well. Yeah, I So that's something, right. that's something yeah. to keep in mind there. Yeah, Very but, interesting. Uh, yeah, so that's, that's the Hulk on tour. There you go. All right. Listener email. Oh, before we get to the email, I wanted to mention at the end of the podcast last week, we set up a Twitter poll. Uh, Paula, Dave, and I did our Iron Sheik impressions, and the results are in 67% to 30-something percent, 33, I guess, to zero. Paula wins uh, the best Sheik impression. Uh, Dave is second, and I got no votes. Not a single vote. Uh, for my chic impression, which I say was bullshit. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of fake voting going on lately, Steve. So you're you're okay. All right, Don't I got worry about it. But congratulations to Paula. I got an email. You got an email, Dave. You go ahead and read yours first. Okay, this question is for Paula, Mrs. Wonderful, and me and Steve can answer as well. Uh, it's from Kevin from Nutley. 
Guys, on your podcast, you mentioned Cindy Lauper. Do you think she deserves to be in the celebrity wing of the WWE Hall of Fame? If yes, why do you think she is not there yet? If not, why not? Paula, you want to go first? Probably because she was in the new Cindy Lauper video. Oh, for the Goonies? Yeah. You like that Goonies video she's in, right? Yeah. Tell us about that I video. I love that. What's it like? Because there's wrestlers in that, right? Yeah, like Shiki Baby. And, yeah. And whole and like everybody in the pie cat. Piper, I think, is in it. Piper. Piper's in Captain it. Captain Lou. Andre. Yeah. Andre's not in it. And I'm the sorry. Goonies. The Goonies are in it. So I think probably it because Cindy Lauper sings in the Goonies. Okay, what do you think is your favorite Cindy Lauper song? The new one. The the Goonies one. Yeah, because it's so cool. Yeah, do you like what else do you like? Do you like time after time? Yeah. Why don't you sing a line from that one? Time after time. Very good, very All good. Right. And girls just want to have fun. You like that one? Yep. I think my favorite uh, Cindy song is All Through the Night. She did some. That's a great song. Yeah, and she did a great version on it of it in Howard's studio, uh, in the in the mid '90s too. Really, really great version. But um, look at I think she Paul, should. Absolutely be in. That's all right. We'll get back to Paul in a second. I think to answer the question, just my answer, I think she absolutely should be in. It's a crime that she isn't in. Uh, WrestleMania was as big as it was because of Cindy. Uh, And I was chatting with a listener on Twitter who was catching up. And remember in the first episode, we talked about Hogan's non-movie appearances in pop culture. And he mentioned Hulk's appearance with Cindy as her bodyguard at the Grammys. Grammys, Yeah, right. and I watched that. It was really cool. That's when Hulk debuted the sleeveless tux. Yeah, she was an invaluable part of the rock and wrestling era, which was a big reason why Vince kept his house, uh, right? Because the legend goes that Vince had his house on WrestleMania 1. There was a lot on it, a lot and, on the line. And it wouldn't have been as big without Cindy. It's a crime she's not in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I hope it's because she decided for some reason not to accept it. Well, but I, yeah, I don't know. But- I think she's my answer is I think she deserves to be in more than any celebrity, even a, a touch more than Mr. T. She started the whole thing. June of 84, the Captain Lou, Piper's Pit, all of that stuff. He wrote time after time, all that kind of stuff. That started the whole rock and wrestling connection. Now, like you said, Steve, maybe she, you know, had prior commitment when they asked her that when well, that happens a lot happens. They don't go back and ask you again. I think they asked Bob Backlund to be in it in 2004, and he had a prior commitment, and he didn't go. They didn't re-ask him again until 2013. Now, Cindy Lauper did appear about 10 years ago on a Raw with yep. Wendy Richter on I remember Piper's that. Pit. Yep, I remember so that. So there's, no there's no bad blood, at least 10 years ago, but you think that they would have had her around that time. I, I, don't, I just don't know the reason. I, I'm thinking that she will be in it eventually. That's, that's my answer, and she should be, and she will be. That's my answer. So, um, yeah, good question. And, yeah. Paul, you are the coolest four-year-old around mm-hmm. with that music knowledge. I love it. Absolutely love it. You should be Cindy Lauper for Halloween. That would be really cool. <laughs> well, yeah. no they don't have Cindy Lauper. <laughs> we could find one, I bet. Yeah. Okay. It shouldn't be too hard. Why don't you sing a line of girls just want to have fun for us like you did time after time? Ah, beautiful. I love it. Love it, love it, love it. All right, I got an email, too, here. It's actually from a Buffalo person. Uh, The first time a Buffalo person is checking in. And a Buffalo person I don't know. I love when that happens. Uh, It's it's Jeff from Buffalo. And he says, hey, guys, really enjoying the 24-inch podcast. 
so far. Uh, but unfortunately, you two guys are only the second and third best person on the show. I think he knows what he means. But I, I think I know what he means by that. Um, just a really quick Hogan question for you. Uh, you guys talked earlier about your favorite non-movie uh, moment for Hogan in pop culture. What's your favorite Hulk Hogan movie? I knew this question would be coming uh, soon enough. Uh, so thanks for that. Dave, what's your favorite Hulk Hogan movie? Oh, we're not going to count Rocky Three. Obviously, that's a, yeah. No, that's not a Hogan movie. That's too more easy. of a that's yeah. more of a movie that Hogan's in leading role. Right? Movie. Yeah. What's a you know we're looking for more of a Hogan movie. You know, I think here. I think everybody would probably think I'm going to say No Holds Barred because of the wrestling connection and when it came out. But I'm not going to get some hate mail for this. I really like Mr. Nanny. I don't know why. I just I, I just like that movie. It's a movie you could kind of just have on in the background at any time. Like, just, just one of those deals. Uh, there's a lot of wrestlers in that movie, too, at the beginning. You know, Hulk got everybody a payday off of Brutus, yeah. Nightheart, etc. And um, I just I just think it's a pretty cool, like, you know, uh, you know, kid movie, whatever. The family could sit down and watch it. It's kind of a little bit of a Home Alone ripoff, but there's a lot of room for Home Alone ripoffs because it's so good. But, um... Yeah, I mean, then, then we, you know, Suburban Commando's right on par with that. Then you started getting into those made-for-TV movies sure. that he did with Carl Weathers and Shannon Tweed and stuff. But I'd watch them once, one time a piece, so I can't even really give an answer there. But, uh, yeah, what the hell? I'm going to go with Mr. Nanny. All right, I think Mr. Nanny's the answer if, for some reason, you don't want to say No Holds Barred, right? I think it's one of those two. Uh, but for me, it's No Holds Barred because it was just such a big deal. You know, Hulk Hogan being in a movie at the movie theater, you know, I went the Friday it came out. You know, I went to the movie theater by where, my, by where my grandma went. And, you know, I remember just popping so hard for the toilet spot, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, I might want to go back. Cause that, but the part, the best parts of the old bar, Hulk's not in all those parts. You know, the Battle of the sure. Tough Guys with Stan yeah. Hansen. Yeah. So I'll stick with Mr. Nanny. But no, that's fine. Those scenes are scenes are awesome. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with like I think Mr. Nanny's the next best one. I yeah. think it's close. But, uh for me it's it's no holds barred. I wanted to mention real quick because we're kinda on the topic of Hulk uh in pop culture. If you go to Instagram and you go to the British Bulldogs official page, it's a mouthful. It's the British Bulldog Davy Boy Smith. If you go to his page, today uh his daughter Georgia who runs this page uh posted about the episode of the A-Team we talked about. So I'll read it real quick here. It says, Davey on the episode of the A-Team that aired on September 24th, 1985. Uh, In the next photo, you see my mom there on the set uh, at Gold's Gym Venice uh, with Mr. T holding a newborn Harry. Uh, I remember Davey saying that they filmed it for hours. Uh, So if you go check this out, there's a really cool poster of Davey Boy with a really fine-looking, fine-looking uh, Diana Hart um, with very newborn Harry and Mr. T holding him. Really cool uh, picture, and um, I just thought I'd mention that. Um, awesome. I actually hung out with Harry sort of a little cool. bit at uh, the last WrestleMania over here in the Meadowlands, and he was a really cool guy. We had a couple of beers together in the concourse. And, uh, yeah, I'm Bulldog, man, one of, the, one of the all-time greats. I'm glad that his memory is really being uh, – He's going into the whenever they do the Hall of Fame. He's going in next. Thank God. All right, Paula. Is there anything else you would like to say 
to the millions and millions of your fans out there. So, I have a couple emails. Okay, you got emails? Go ahead. Oh! Yeah. Okay, so one is from Anthony. Oh, Anthony. Okay, make sure you speak it into your mic, okay? Okay. Yeah, all right. So they can hear you. It's a little bit big. There you go. Okay, go ahead. So one is when Anthony voted for one of the cheeky impressions. And he voted for me. Oh, Anthony voted for you in the cheeky contest? So he thought, how did I vote for that sanctuary? Okay. And what's the answer? So I think it is because I voted first. Okay. All right. Very interesting. You want to do your winning impression again? You want to give us a couple seconds of your winning Iron Sheik impression? Yep. Okay, go ahead. Number one. Cheeky. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Hulk Hogan. <laughs> All right, very good. You I, see, Steve, yeah. you didn't get cheated. She got actual. She got emails. Right. Yeah. Of her votes, man. Any, You're fried, brother. Anything else, baby? I think one is from my mom. Your mom wrote an email. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know her. I banged her. <laughs> Go ahead. What was that? Her name. She wondered how we always do podcasts. She wonders how we do them. Mm-hmm. All right. Go ahead. Answer the question. So probably it's because we do them with microphones. Okay. We use microphones and the, the board here. Yeah. But a computer to record. Yeah. Yeah. But also, I say, and I'm also just having a couple more emails. All right. Well, let's speed it up. You can save some emails for next time. Let's get, okay. you got one more maybe? Yeah. Dave, she's got a lot of emails here, bud. We only get we're one still, each. She's got yeah, a, we don't get shit. She's What's got a whole notebook on? full, we full don't, of them. Excuse my language. Right. Um, one is, the second one is from my doggy. Your dog emails? That's incredible. My dog, Colson, apparently emails. Bark, bark, bark. Bark, bark, bark. bark. (laughs) That's cute. Bark, how do you do the pie hatches? All right, well. What's your doggy's name, Paula? Colson. Colson. Colston. C-O-L-S-T-O-N. Yep. I have a doggy too. His name is Ruby. All right. Well, for Ruby in New Jersey, Colston <laughs> in Buffalo, uh, I am Steve Bennett. Uh, that is Paula Bennett. And in New Jersey is Dave Rollins. We ask you to remember to say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends. And next week, we got oh, a big show. Oh, that's right. Oh, good job, Dave. Back us up a little bit. Back us up. Okay. Beep, beep, beep. All right. We have not told everyone what we're going to do next week. Paul's got me off my game. What are we going to do next time, Dave? It was your idea. Your pick. Okay. Let well, it's know. January, and since 1988 in the wrestling business, what's the big thing in January? The Royal Rumble, brother. And uh, we're going to be taking a look at a uh, great pay-per-view all around, not just the Rumble, the 1991 WWF Royal Rumble from Miami, Florida. Uh, gonna be a good time, man. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're gonna we'll break down the whole card, right? It's got a good undercard with a WWF great. title change. Great an angle going on throughout the yep. card. I love when stuff like that happens. Yeah, so we'll go over that, and we'll of course go over the the rumble. We'll go over every entrant. Um, so kind of a supersized episode. I'm sure it'll take us a bit, but we'll give it the time it deserves. We'll we'll kind of you know get get through all that. We'll go through all 30 wrestlers. Uh, we'll go through all the matches in the undercard. Uh, the Rockers and Orient Express, is that awesome that one? match. Yeah. yeah, that's the opening match. Yeah, so we'll really have a good time. 
uh, doing that. And of course, we'll read the news from January of uh, of 1991. So that should be interesting. Yeah, a lot of stuff going on in the a world. Really, at that time. really crazy time in the world, right? So yeah. that'll be a really interesting piece of news there. Uh, we'll read emails uh, if you have any. Number two, number four, inch podcast at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, same way. Uh, but yeah, thanks for reminding me about that. Royal Rumble uh, next time. Anything else, Dave? Anything else I forgot? Yeah, that's about it. You know, I made a mistake last week and I said that the NCAA tournament didn't expand from 64. Uh, it has expanded uh, since then. They do playing games in Dayton, Ohio now. I just remembered that mistake. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong, Dave. Just like all uh, good, my man. Just like just like the dad in Dirty Dancing, right? When That's I'm wrong, the way to be. I say I'm wrong. All right. <laughs> uh, with that said, let's try this again. <laughs> all right. Steve Bennett, Paula Bennett, Dave Rollins, Buffalo, New Jersey. Say your prayers, eat your vitamins, and tell your friends about the 24-inch podcast. Brother. Brother.